Welcome to the Chicago Podcast. I'm your host, Kelly Kitley, and I created this platform to have an opportunity to interview women who I look up to and admire in order to inspire other women. Telling our stories to one another is how we connect on a deeper level, and knowing there are women who have gone before us and led the way is what gave me hope and motivated me in all aspects of my life. My intention is that it will do the same for you. Today, I have Heidi Stevens, Balancing Act columnist at the Chicago Tribune, CPS mom, feminist, the one with the hair, on-purpose podcaster. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for inviting me. We need to jump right into your bio. Um, First of all, CPS mom, I love what a Chicago advocate you are. Oh, well, thank you. I love Chicago. I feel like I get, you know, I have a front row seat. Obviously, I live here, but I'm raising my kids here. I'm working here. I'm, you know, out in the community a lot. And and the the CPS part of it feels important to me because, um, I don't know, I think I'm a huge believer in public schools, first of all, just philosophically. Um, I'm also a big believer in what happens inside Chicago's public schools. You know, they don't, the, the, the good that happens doesn't always make it into the news. And right. of course, you have to tell true stories and the true stories aren't always happy, but a lot of them are. And so, you know, I try to use my my platform and even just mentioning that in my bio as a reminder that like, hey, good stuff happens here too. Yeah, I love it. I absolutely love it. Um, and then I think we should probably tell people uh, about how you got this um, brand with your hair, which just <laughs> speaks to, you know, how mean people can be sometimes when you put yourself out there. And... I am a hair ambassador. <laughs> uh, yeah, that, God, that took on a life of its own fast. So the, the, um, Backstory is that, um, but got, your hair does look great today. Thank by you. the way, you're I'm, welcome. Yeah, I wish we were on camera because um, I spent hours on it this morning, as I do every day. Um, the backstory is that I got a new column photo, and in my new column photo, this was like probably four or five years ago. Now, yeah. Um, in the new column photo, I had different hair, and people hated it, <laughs> and they really wanted me to know how much they hated it, so they would write me all the time. And um, I mean, all the time. And like um, my neighbors and I have decided that you should shoot your hairdresser. <laughs> People are writing uh, this. Oh, yeah. On, on social media. Yeah, and, like or, or emails to me. Emails. Often handwritten in cursive <laughs> letters. One woman would t- cut my picture out of the paper every Sunday, scotch tape it to a letter and say, I can't read your articles with your ugly face at the top of them. So I cut your face out, and then I read them. Here's your face. I've taped it to a letter for you. Every Sunday, I was like, "That wow, she doesn't oh have very gosh. much to do. Um, <laughs> so lots and lots and lots of feedback about my hair. And I ended up just kind of in casual conversation asking other female and male writers if they ever got feedback about their hair. And to a woman, to a woman, every female writer said, Oh, yeah, my hair. Oh, yeah, that's like the majority of my male. And none of the men <sighs> had ever heard a word about their hair, including like men who don't have any, um, <laughs> like grow some or get a wig, none of that. Um, one guy I work with, Chris Borelli, um, did say somebody told him once he should be wearing a Cubs hat instead of a Red Sox hat. Oh, in my his gosh. So I ended up writing about that because I thought that was interesting. I think sure. it's interesting that women's you know, words and voices and stories and opinions aren't as important as their hair to Mm -hmm. a segment of readers. 
Um, and anyway, I wrote that column and it sort of took off and I was like, it, it went viral. Um, so, and the Huffington Post wrote about it and the New York Post wrote about it and it just went everywhere. So the Today Show wrote about it. So oh my I kind of became known as like the one with the hair. Um, and we had some fun with it for, for a while. And, and I still, honestly, that was, I think that really was like four or five years ago, wasn't it? It was. Yeah. Um, I still hear from people about my hair, but whatever. (laughs) At this point, I think it's like the tail wagging the dog because like now if you sort of know that I'm known for that, that's the thing that you're going to tweak me about a little bit. Sure, sure. It's fine. You just, you got to have a sense of humor about it. It's air. Well, that's what I love because you do have an awesome sense of humor and you write about some things that, I mean, I I was mindful as I was driving in from, from Oak Park into the city today that like this is a wow moment for me. Aww. And um, I was listening to the Dixie Chicks on my way oh. in, just like jamming. And, Such good driving music. Uh, yeah. And, um, you know, to to have you here as a guest is just awesome. I, I just want to tell people a little bit about, you know, how I was introduced to you and been a longtime fan. I mean, you've been with the Chicago Tribune for 21 years. Yeah. That's a really mm. long time. It is such a long time. <laughs> and so awesome. Um, and, you know, I have always just admired your writing and your vulnerability, and it really spoke to me um, and still does. I think, like, on a weekly basis, I find myself crying over one of your columns and Aww. texting you and saying, like, <laughs> oh, you did it again. Um, Thank you. But you're welcome. Um, you know, so it was really funny. I was writing this book, and my husband and I were in the process of buying a home, and it was a for sale by owner situation. And the sellers were somebody who works at the Chicago Tribune. Yeah. Um, and so we were at the closing, and I was like, "Hey, by the way, do you think you could introduce me to Heidi Stevens, <laughs> like just by email? Could you put me on that email?" And he was like, "Sure." And sure enough, you responded right away and agreed to have coffee with me and it was one of those moments that like there was no small talk you walked into my therapy office we sat down and had tea and just dug right in yeah and um, I think you probably gave me some therapy (laughs) (laughs) I can't be in a room without a therapist with a therapist without like going into my issues I hope so I hope so and that's what was so comfortable about it you know was just cutting straight through and and I would imagine for a lot of your readers it feels that way like feeling so close to you because of the things that you write about and how many lives you touch and the relatability factor of it. Um, So being able to have that experience and then going and seeing you speak on panels and interview authors and um, then you endorsed my book, Mm -hmm. um, which was so great. It was a great book. Thanks. And you wrote a column about it. I um, did. And being able to share my story then on a platform – I'm just so grateful for. So wanted to give people a little bit of background that, you know, the worst thing that can happen when you're awkward like that and ask somebody you're buying a house for, <laughs> so, like, <laughs> if you can get an introduction, the worst thing they're going to say is no, or right. it or could sure. be, you know, fast forward five years and here we are. So yeah. um, I'm glad I asked. But <laughs> I'm glad you asked too. Um, I want to jump right in yeah. um, and just ask a little bit about you know, where you come from. I know you have these rock star parents who are just activists and, um, you know, have really set a strong foundation for you from what I've read in things that you've written. um, Can you just kind of take us back to like what it was like to be a 10 year old um, and, and 
having, you know, I'm, I'm so envious of the fact that you had these parents who really wanted you to use your voice and to have an opinion. And, you know, that's something that I think we're trying to develop in our own children today, yeah. you know, being women in our 40s, but wasn't as common for our own parents of that generation. I don't think it was common at all. And so I would love to hear just what that was like for you and how that's shaped where you are today. Yeah, yeah. And I will say, I don't even know if it was something that my parents intentionally set out to do. I don't really remember conversations with them when I was a kid where they would specifically say, like, use your voice or improve the world or get a platform and then advocate for the greater good with it. But I watched them doing that. And so I think I just picked that sort of thing up as a value in the ether, sort of. Do you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. my when, when I was growing up, my mom was a physical therapist and my dad was a commercial pilot. Um, you know, pretty standard jobs. They weren't activists or hippies or anything, um, but they were always really um, connected to the land and always in their free time in volunteer work doing environmental work. So a lot of work days on the weekends, a lot of advocating to save open space in the suburbs where we grew up. I grew up in the northwest suburbs near Elgin, um, suburb called West Dundee. And um, by the time I think I was in sixth grade, my mom left her full-time job and decided to volunteer full-time. So she became a full-time environmental activist. And, um, you know, my memories are like watching her organize and rally people and be on the phone and set up work days and set up, you know, people to vote in referendums to save land from becoming another strip mall in our town Mm. and, and educating people on like, what does it mean when you turn a parcel of land into a housing development versus restore it back to its native habitat? What does that do for the water for the community? What does that do for traffic in the community? What does that do for like, are we building enough schools to educate the kids that move into this proposed housing development? So so watching that process happen, I think it's not so much that they were sitting me down and saying, here's what we are doing and why, and you need to follow on a path like this. It just was in the air. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah, you were surrounded by it. It was influential modeling. It was influential <laughs> modeling. That's a great way to put it. And I watched, like, if there's something in your community or in your world that you don't like, like, find a way to change it. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you think something's going in a direction that that isn't good for the community, isn't good for people, like speak up and try to do something about it. Don't just sort of wring your hands or or, or pick up and move, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think those were messages I got from them early on. And um, I don't know. I didn't have any sense that I wanted to be a writer for a living. I didn't know what I wanted to do when I went to college. I ended up in the college newspaper because an English professor told me like, oh, you're you know, you're a strong writer. Why don't you check out like the school paper? That's one way to, you know, make a living Mm -hmm. writing. And I thought, okay. Um, And I did, and I loved it. And I think, you know, I think that's sort of the moment when the two things came together. It's like, Mm -hmm. oh, here's a place where you write, which I like doing. Um, Up to that point, it had been like, term papers and, you know, no fun, bad poetry, and <laughs> but, you know, writing journals, yeah. I journaled a ton. Uh-huh. Um, so here's a place where you like write, which I enjoy doing and like um, try to affect change and like send a spotlight to stuff that needs fixing. Mm. Um, and if you 
get lucky enough to write editorials or opinion pieces, even like advocate for stuff. How cool. Yeah. So I was hooked, you know, by the time I was 19, probably. Oh, my gosh. And how do you transition from college to the Chicago Tribune? So (laughs) seamlessly. Right. That's just that easy. Hi, Tribune. Um, I'm almost done with college. So if you could have a desk ready for me on Monday. No, I I did a bunch of internships, you know, during the summers in uh, like D.C. and Rockville, Maryland. And um, when I graduated, I worked at a paper in Monster, Indiana, The Times. Um, lovely. Did you live in Monster daily. too at the time? So I lived in Crown Point. Oh, okay. You know Crown uh-huh. Point? Sure do. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Um, just over the border from <laughs> Munster uh, for a while. And then I moved to Lansing because I just really felt called to my Illinois roots. <laughs> so I moved, moved right across state lines to Lansing. Um, and uh, that was a great job. You know, it was, it was, um, I worked crazy nights and weekends and all sorts of nutty stuff, but it was a good, really good foundation. Um, and then the Tribune used to offer year-long internships, um, and I applied for one, and I got one. And at the time, I was 23, and it was like, you know, no problem to take an internship that lasts a year. I had no mortgage or responsibilities, really. So I took that, and then I got hired at the end of it. So I've been there ever since. Oh Started gosh. as an intern. Wow. I know. And we'll get into some of the, um, you know, what does your future look like and things like that. Oh, good. Do you know? Because I don't. (laughs) You're a medium, aren't you? Is that what mediums do? We'll tap into your spirituality (laughs) and bring it all in. Did you bring your Ouija board? (laughs) I know. It's kind of scary, especially when you've been someplace for as long as you have and there's been consistency. Yeah, the um, industry is volatile. Sure. Um, But- you know, going back to kind of your parents' parenting style, I'm curious to know, you know, you write about your kids and, and your experiences as a parent. And um, I'm wondering if you do some of that influential modeling. I have to believe that you do. I mean, um, just by what you do. And, you know, you're married to Michael Phillips, who's also, you know, very vocal and yeah. opinionated <laughs> about, about films. Yeah. Um, and I think just having that in your presence, like, they probably don't know any different, right? The, I hope so. I, I, I'd love to hear <laughs> you live in that home. So yeah, what is it like? I hope so. So I don't know if you expected to go here, but I'm going to go there. Um, when I got divorced. I, I'm going to go there. Of course okay. I am. I figured you would. <laughs> You're a therapist. Uh, <laughs> this is why we love each other, because we go there. Um, I actually, like, when I was, so my kids were two and six when I got divorced. And, and of course, the conventional wisdom is that you stay together for your kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and and often that's a lovely, brave, wise decision. And I support anybody who does that for sure. Um, for me, I felt like I needed to get out of my marriage for my kids. Um, not because it was dangerous. He wasn't physically abusive. It was nothing like that at all. It just felt to me like, you know, I had tried and tried and tried to make it healthier and happier and more of the marriage that I wanted and needed. And and it wasn't working. And and I felt like I need to, for myself and for my kids, um, show that when something isn't working and you've tried and tried and tried to make it work, you get to change it. Mm-hmm. You know, you get to make that decision like, okay, this isn't working. We're going to make some changes. Um, and 
I, I couldn't imagine just sort of staying, um, admitting defeat, right, and 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 living in this sort of sad um, state and raising my kids in a sad home. I I knew that there was something better for us out there, and and to be honest, better for my ex husband too. Like that, it's not mm-hmm. fair to either person. I don't think to just resign to. Uh, you know, an unhappy marriage it, for me. I'm certainly not prescribing anything for anyone else. This is for me. Um, and so I did think as hard as that was to, you know, split up our family and start over. I did think there, I hope, I hope, I hope if, you know, as they're growing up and we talk about this over and over through all their different chapters of their life, I hope that they do take away that if they're in something that feels unhealthy and unhappy, whether it's a job or a roommate situation or a marriage or any kind of partnership or relationship, I do hope that they, you know, try their absolute best to fix it, but also are willing to say like, this one I can't fix, this one I got to move on from. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think that's like a foundation maybe Mm -hmm. of what you're talking about. And then, yeah, in day-to-day stuff, I mean, I certainly um, encourage them to speak up you know, at home about stuff that doesn't feel um, fair or just to them. You know, kids love to do that. Mm-hmm. Sure. <laughs> they're, very, they're like, you told me yeah. to speak up. <laughs> they're very good at rooting out injustice, aren't they? Um, especially when it's, you know, aimed at them. Um, and uh, yeah, I, you know, I I think that um, especially my daughter, although my son as well, I think it's really important for them to you know, listen to my, my big thing is like, listen to your gut. Like, what's your gut telling you? Like, not so much. Can I get away with this? Or would my friends think it's cool? Or does, would my mom approve? But like, what do you feel on the inside when you're about to send a Snapchat or Mm -hmm. write or, Mm -hmm. you know, play that game or convince that kid or join in that bullying or, or stand up and, and, you know, speak out against that bullying, like what's happening on your insides. Listen to that for a second. Like that's always my thing with them. Mm. And I think that's a good way for them to um, not only listen to their own voice, but also, you know, know when to use it. Absolutely. And not only for kids, but for adults. I mean, I'm, you know, and the younger we can teach our kids to do that and to listen to that mind-body connection, the easier not that it's going to be easy, no. but the easier it will be into adolescence and, and teen years and adulthood that a lot of times I'm working with my adult clients on, you know, slowing down the mind and listening to that intuition. Yeah. And, um, you know, I'm so glad that you jumped right in, as you always do, to um, the divorce because something that, um, you know, you wrote, I think, back in 2012 and then ended up. Um, republishing this year, um, and I'm just looking for the name of the column because I don't want to botch it up. Um, the pink tree. Yeah. Um, you know, there's this amazing column about your first year being divorced mm-hmm. and first uh, Christmas. What did I say? First year? Yes, yeah. first Christmas. Thank you. I narrowed it down to just the Christmas. <laughs> the whole you. year would be a little bit of a shit show. Oh, can I say that? Yeah. A little bit of a... You sure can. Okay. <laughs> 
Um, but when you posted that, you know, there are so many women in my personal life as well as um, women that I treat in therapy that, mm. um, you know, have been married 10 years and are in this crossroads of yeah. not feeling fulfilled and, you know, maybe having that disconnect between mind and body of what should I do? How should I do this? Um, I have got to, you know, I can't break the family. All the the negativistic internal dialogue Mm -hmm. that everybody engages in, no matter what the situation. But um, I love it because not only are you a model for your children, but you're a model for other women as well. And to be able to say, um, look, she got through on the other Mm -hmm. side Mm -hmm. and was able to find love again Mm -hmm. and to recreate this blended family that you and Michael have brought together. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, having stories like that, that I think oftentimes people feel so um, ashamed or um, scared, scared, fearful. Yeah. Yeah. All of it. I mean, who knows (laughs) better than you? You can name a list of of the feelings. And so being able to see somebody who has gone before us, has crossed over to the other side and has shared what that whole experience was like, not that that's going to be somebody else's exact experience, but but similarities and being able to connect and say she did it and look at what that did for her. Yeah, that's my hope. Thank you for saying that. I um, the the pink tree story I wrote before I was you know, remarried, I just had had this sort of epiphany that, you know, the the backstory is that, um, you know, we we moved, my kids and I moved into this tiny little condo in April. And one night, my daughter and I were sitting there reading Horton Hears a Who. And, you know, it's not anywhere near Christmas. It was maybe May by then. We had probably lived in this condo a month. And she looked at me wide eyed and she said, Mom, who's going to put up the Christmas tree. Oh my god. Like dad <laughs> puts up the Christmas tree. You know, she's panicked. Uh-huh. And um, you know, long dialogue back and forth while well, long. I mean, she's 6, so but you know, <laughs> it felt long. Uh, and I'm sure I finally, <laughs> you know, I was like, do I lie? Do I, you know, what do I do? And um, oh, I can do it. No problem or you know, or, or do I take this moment and like create something new with her? So I was like, hey, like Maybe we could maybe you could help me shop for a new one that's kind of easier to put up. And she was like, oh, could it be pink? And I was like, oh my God, for sure it could be pink. And so we bought a pink Christmas tree and that became this tradition that we do every year. We still put it up. I just took it down this weekend <laughs> because I just finally undecorated for Christmas this weekend. Um and um it it was a moment for me where I realized like I, I had all of this you know, um, shame, fear, guilt, all the things we were just talking about wrapped up particularly around the holidays and tradition Oh gosh! and ripping that away from my children and not giving them something that I had as a kid, which was this nuclear, idyllic, consistency, predictability family. <laughs> sure. And the pink tree, my daughter asking for a pink tree <laughs> and us getting it and decorating it and loving it was my first, I think, really tangible sign of like, oh, they don't actually need to live my childhood. They actually need to live their childhood. Mm. And I can help them do that in a way that doesn't look like mine, but is still really lovely and healthy and full of joy um, and vulnerability and all the other human things. Mm -hmm. 
and we don't have to gloss over the hard ones. Like we're just going to do it all together. And, um, so, so yeah, I, you know, I'm learning as I go as much as they are, as mm-hmm. much as anybody is. Cause um, you've never done this before. Never done it before. <laughs> certainly never done it before. I will say like when you're saying that people are looking for signs that mm-hmm. or you know, not signs like from the universe, but you're looking for well, maybe that too. That too. Sure. That too. Yeah. Any <laughs> signs from anywhere. One of the signs I got was early on, and I'll never forget this. I think I wrote about it, probably. I write about everything. Um, I actually don't write about everything. I, we should talk about that in a okay. second. But um, but I wrote about this. And I went to the bank to get a money order or something. I had to take it to the closing when we were selling our townhouse. You know, get divorced, sell the townhouse, move to your separate places. Um, and uh, the woman said, you know, I, I needed this thing. It's for a closing. And the woman at the bank said, oh, are you, you know, moving to the suburbs? And... Um, I said, no, I'm getting divorced and I have to move to a smaller place. I just was like, you know, I don't really have You don't like, sugarcoat anything. Just I'll tell you. Right. The, like all the filters people put on their photos. I don't have that in my life. I'm just like, here it is. I'm getting divorced. Um, and she said to me, um, oh, congratulations. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I just got the chills. Wow. Nobody has said that to me before. And uh, she's like, well, your life's about to get better. Oh, my gosh. And I was like, (laughs) I mean, maybe she was a sign from the universe. (laughs) But I took her as like a brave, like probably lived through it or had someone really close to her live through it Mm -hmm. um, soul. And that was so generous of her to say to me. And my life did get better. I mean, leaps and bounds better. And And I tell that to a lot of people who are early on in their divorce. And I can't see into your future. Maybe your life won't get better. But I do think often... Um, <clears throat> things you've been living without suddenly you get to invite back into your life. Um, there's a sense of peace that is absent when you're in an unhappy, unhealthy marriage, especially when you're working really hard to try to make it healthier mm-hmm. and happier. And maybe you're working harder than your partner is. And and there's a lot of just peace that comes with um, divorce often, not always, Sure, certainly not always. Um, but the, the, the kind of, um, good, healthy stuff doesn't get talked about very much. Mm-hmm. So I try to do that when I can in an honest way. Um, and certainly that's not to dismiss the really, really, really painful stuff that a lot of people have to go through when their marriage ends. Um, and mine doesn't look like everybody else's, mm-hmm. but but I think it's worth putting that stuff out there, too, because I do think people can be sort of lulled into staying in a bad place just because they've never seen anybody talk about it getting better. Mm-hmm. So why mm-hmm. why leave for something that's just a different kind of bad? Right. And I don't think it always is a different kind of bad. Well, and gosh, what a God wink, as I call him, that that woman said to you, you know, congratulations, because oftentimes it's. I'm so sorry. I'm so or, sorry. Uh, you know, this dread. And right. I think that that was like a, a soundbite of hope, you know, that, totally. that it probably might, took you off guard to have totally. somebody say that to you. Yep. And and it carried you and gave you some strength from a, a, a total stranger. Yeah. So. I know. At a bank. <laughs> Who knew? Right? Uh, so you don't write about everything, huh? I don't. So um, I... 
I have a few sort of boundaries I put up around my personal life. I don't, I actually don't write about my divorce. I write about, I write about the fact that I'm divorced. I write about what I've learned through it. I don't write about my Mm ex-husband. I don't write about my kids' relationship with their dad, my ex-husband. I feel like that isn't fair for me to do. I want them to, him and my kids, to have you know, all the room and space they need to have the relationship that they're going to have without me muddying it with my writing or the mm-hmm. public's opinion of any of it. So that is totally off, you know, limits. Um, <clears throat> I don't actually write that much about my kids. So I, um, you know, I mentioned my feelings for them and my <laughs> yeah. joy and challenges of parenting, certainly. Um, but there, I don't do a lot of like anecdotes about, you know, and today my son, blah, blah, blah. I don't do it really on social media or, or in my writing all that much. I did it more when they were little. Mm-hmm. Now they're 10 and 14 and they're, you know, they have, um, you know, their own sense of privacy that I want to respect. Um, you know, that, and it's funny, you have four kids, so you know, like that sense of privacy is something you're always having to measure, right? Because on the one hand, they're like, can I have a YouTube channel? And here's my entire life on Instagram. And here's my Snapchat streak where I shared every detail of every part of my life. But then like, they don't Mm -hmm. want, they want to be in charge of that though. They don't want you doing that with their lives Mm -hmm. just because they're doing it with their lives. Right. And I want to respect all that. I mean, we have conversations about it because sometimes I'm kind of like, so wait, um, so I got the impression that you were okay with like people knowing X, Y, and Z because you talked about it on Instagram, but but are you not okay with me being the one to say? So like those are conversations that yeah. we're having constantly, That's right? That's why parenting is so difficult, right? Because it changes <laughs> by the minute, right? Um, but I just I want to be respectful of their desire to tell their own stories and mm-hmm. right put their own stuff out there and not have their mom necessarily do it, and I. And so my rule is, like, if I wouldn't tell the story in front of them standing in my kitchen, like, if you came over for coffee and my kids were standing there, if I would tell the story then, then I'll write it or post it. But if I wouldn't say it in front of them, I won't write it or post it. Because I always assume they're going to stumble across something I wrote, maybe not now, but maybe in four years, maybe in 14 years, maybe it's... Like often we'll be at, you know, Mariano's or something and someone's like, oh my God, you know, I love your columns. Oh my gosh. I read about, you know, my kids are with oh, me. Oh gosh. I sure. read about how you do trampoline, you know, uh-huh. and my daughter's uh-huh. like, oh, what else did you say? Like, so I can't assume mm-hmm. I can write something and they're just going to quietly never know. <laughs> like they'll know. Right. They'll either read it themselves or someone will come up to us and say or something. Or Google Heidi Stevens. <laughs> right. Yeah. My daughter Googles me. My daughter was the one who discovered <laughs> remember I don't know if you follow this at all but for a long time on Google I was listed as um Heidi Stevens uh wife of Michael Phillips that was my no. that was my Google description I didn't know that and my daughter was the one who told me she was like mom you know when you Google yourself you come up as wife of Michael Phillips and I was like no I don't and she's like no you do and I Googled myself, and that's what would come up as my bio. So anyway, it was just a goofy thing where, like, he has a Wikipedia page, and I don't. Oh, right. Mm-hmm. So that's what mm-hmm. Google, right, captures, yeah. whatever. That was my first mention, I think, um, was on his Wikipedia page. So whatever. We got it fixed. Now it says journalist, I think. But um, anyway, I I know that she Googles 
to see what I'm up to. And uh, I don't want her to stumble across something that's like, oh, my God, I can't believe you shared that with people. Right. Like, that was between me and you. Oh, or, my gosh. that's embarrassing. Mm-hmm. Or I don't want that following me around. Um, so I'm pretty careful about what I write about. Yeah. And, about and I, I think that that's important, too, for people to hear about that boundary with social media as well. You know, that um, I know we have a rule in our house that you have to ask permission mm-hmm. before you post a picture. Mm-hmm. You know, they'll be like walking around the house taking pictures and 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 they get into fights. You know, don't post that of yeah. me or whatever. Um, that you do have a right to say if you agree with it or not. Right. And um, I think when you are sharing, both you and I have shared some of our, our personal stories, yeah. um, that when our ki- you're right, when our kids were younger, you know, and we're talking about having an infant or having a toddler, it's different totally. than having a teenager. Totally. And it's almost as if they're removed, in a sense, from some of the, um, the narrative yeah. of what we talk about. Yeah. 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 And there's debate about whether you should not start introducing them into the narrative as babies and toddlers, sure, right? And sure. I think that's an interesting, important mm-hmm. discussion. And we're all kind of learning as we go. Right. Um, but but yeah, now that they're old enough for me to run stuff by, you know, I do. I make sure I do. Mm-hmm. Um, can you talk about Mr. Michael Phillips and your relationship? Sure. We're Wife married. Of, yeah. wife. <laughs> we're married. Our relationship is uh, married. Yeah, yeah. And Google them. They are like one of the most attractive couples in Chicago. Oh, you're sweet. <laughs> and awesome from the inside out. Oh, so yeah. No, I'm crazy about him. He's he's a he's a really, really he's like my favorite grown up. Um yeah, we met at work, obviously. Uh-huh. Um and we were friends forever. I actually was his editor for a while because before I was a writer at the Tribune, I was an editor. And I used to edit arts and entertainment coverage. When he was the theater critic um, at the Tribune, I would edit his stuff. And then I guess for a little while, once was I still his editor when he started on movies? I don't think I was. I think I had moved over to by write, moved over to writing by then. Um, but anyway, we knew each other for years. Um, so um, you know, by the time we were both divorced and went out for dinner once, I was kind of like, yeah, he's the one. <laughs> I'm done. Like I don't need I don't need Bumble. I don't need Match. I'm oh my good. gosh. Um yeah, oh yeah, I knew on the first date. Did sure. he? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. I think so. Um so yeah, we uh we got married in September 2013. So celebrated 6 years most recently. Am I doing the math right? Yeah. Mm. And uh, yeah, it's been, you know, it's been lovely. It's not always easy to blend families Mm -hmm. as people who've done it know. Um, But I would say, you know, we we learn not to force it on our kids, right? So I think, you know, it's easy in your imagination to have this image of like, how much everyone's going to be crazy about each other and how, mm-hmm. like, what a gift that is. <laughs> what a gift we're giving them. These new siblings, right? And this loving marriage mm. to be around. And it's like pretty soon you're like, that's not actually really about them at all. That's all about me and my imagination. Um, so, you know, it's just sort of, it's always still to this day, it's still a balancing act, right? It's mm-hmm. like you're tiptoeing toward like, hey, you guys don't want to all get together and do this thing and be like lovey-dovey family. And sometimes they do. And sometimes they're like, no, nah, I'm good. I got my own people. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, we're 
as with everything, figuring out, figuring it out as we go. But um, but for the most part, I would say, you know, they the kids get along in a way that I couldn't have even imagined, you know, being nobody's mean to anybody. Do you know what I mean? That's like that's huge. Yeah, that's huge. (laughs) That's huge. There's some there's like a level of um, closeness and sibling feeling that I don't know is necessarily always there between the steps, but, um, but nobody's ever resentful or disdainful or mean. And that feels pretty huge to me. Gosh, there's Um, such like a natural flow to you, you know, that, um, I think has been a, a common thread throughout speaking with you this morning that you don't force things and you say things as they are and you're direct and you shine a light on things that people don't want to necessarily look at or talk about. And you do that in your personal life and you do it in your professional life. And, um, that's really inspiring. And I guess, um, you know, before we get into the, the future of your job at the Uh Chicago Tribune and (laughs) what that looks like, Uh what do you attribute that to is I'm always so curious to know, um, what people's, you know, you said the universe, mm-hmm. um, some people call it God, some mm-hmm. people identify with religion, whatever it is, but this idea of something bigger than ourself, mm-hmm. what has that trajectory been like for you over the course of your lifetime? Um, <clears throat> well, I think, um, I just don't have any interest in living in a way that isn't authentic. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if I'm answering to someone really with that approach or if it just feels like I don't know any other way to be. I'm a, I'm a journalist and have always, you know, since I, ever since I became an adult, um, been sort of trying to root out and write about and expose truths, Mm -hmm. either individual humans' stories or, you know, like corruption or whatever kind of truth we're talking about, um, it just would feel really like a whiplash to not live my own life in that same way, I guess. So an accountability Um, to yourself? I think so, to myself. Yeah. I, I don't necessarily feel like, okay, where am I like tuning my moral compass to like what God would want me to do or what will pay off in the universe? Or I just sort of feel like, um, it's just, it's just easier, Mm -hmm. frankly, to be who you actually are and admit like all your flaws and mistakes and regrets. And I, I, I don't, I guess I don't feel well, it's fine. I was about to say, I don't feel tremendously judged. I'm actually tremendously judged. And get, I mean, I get, you know, t- terrible, terrible email. I don't know how um, you even sift through those. I mean, your mail inbox must blow up and it's like, what are the subject? What's in the subject line of people who are mean to you and why do you open them? Yeah, no, it's gross. <laughs> and, I, and, I, and a lot of it I don't read all the way through. But um, it, it's just funny that I actually had that pop into my head like, well, nobody really judges me. And it's like, wow, everybody actually totally judges me and then emails me. Um, but I think I don't care Mm. um yeah I think that's it like I do I get the emails I'm like oh wow god wow she hates me um wow that guy this guy emails me every morning wow he hates me he thinks I'm doing everything wrong but I don't I I don't feel that I don't feel that they're right I guess Um, well it actually has nothing to do with it doesn't have anything to do with me and I I sort of feel like oh well like you know if it 
upsets this guy that I admitted, you know, these, you know, failings of mine. Maybe it helps somebody else who has the same failings or like I, I my main if I had to pick like an overarching mission to everything I do, whether it's speaking stuff or writing or any of it or parenting, um, I I wanna if I can, and it's not guaranteed that I can, but if I can, I wanna make people feel less alone in whatever they're going through. Mm-hmm. And, and you do. <laughs> I think that, you know, life can be really, really lonely and and not just because you're like physically the only person <laughs> in a thing. You can be surrounded by people mm-hmm. right at mm-hmm. work in your family in your home and still be lonely. And I know that feeling and I don't like that feeling. And I want to use whatever time I have on Earth and whatever job I'm doing try to make people feel less of that, less Mm. lonely, less alone in the thing they're going through. Um, And so, you know, that probably means saying like, here's a thing I did that didn't work out, or here's a mistake I made, or here's, you know, a thing I, I tried and it, and it worked. Maybe you could try it too. Um, And um, I, I think, you know, that I hope that kind of, honesty, even if it doesn't make me look perfect, will make someone feel like, oh, yeah, I can relate to that. Mm-hmm. You're just so down to earth. That's a great quality. Mm-hmm. It's hard mm-hmm. to find. Thanks. <laughs> um, gosh, I promised myself I would not cry during this <laughs> But, I mean, I cry all the time, so what else is new? Um, but they're usually tears of joy. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> so, I, what's next? I mean, they're... Tell us about what's going on at the Tribune. I know you're looking for a billionaire. Um, right. Yeah. As we all are listening. Yeah. Not to marry. I'm happily married. Um, just just to, in projects. Just to know? buy my company. Yeah. <laughs> so if you're out there. Right. If you're out there. Please tweet Heidi Stevens. I actually feel like a millionaire would even do it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So the Tribune is, you know, a legacy media company. Mm-hmm. It's not, it, the business model has changed and shifted over the last couple of decades. In, in the amount of time I've been at the Tribune, it's changed tremendously. We didn't really even have a website when I started, right? Everybody just sort of, you know, subscribed to their printed newspaper and then waited for it to show up on their doorstep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, right, the ad revenue has shifted from print to online. That's harder to make money off of. People don't necessarily pay to read their news mm-hmm. on a computer the way they would pay to read their news right. in a printed product. So it's all shifting. The winds of change have been, you know, mm-hmm. blowing our way for the last couple of decades and not necessarily bringing good fortune. Um, so the the thing that's happening right now is that, you know, this hedge fund um, that is sort of known for buying newspapers around the country, Denver, Boston, San Jose, um, now has a pretty big stake in Tribune Publishing. Excuse me. And is um, forecasted to purchase an even bigger stake uh, by June. So a lot of us are feeling like, huh, um, I wonder if a big um, round of layoffs is coming. I wonder if the paper is going to go in a direction we don't feel great about. We don't know. We don't know. So you're so- in limbo. Ish. We're in limbo. You just keep Ish. showing up doing your job and Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And uh, you know, I like to believe I can just be a writer at a newspaper for, you know, till I retire. Mm-hmm. Um, 
in 20, 25 years. Um, but, you know, people who are smart with, like, their money and <laughs> their futures um, are, are listening and laughing right now. <laughs> Someone's saying they can retire from a newspaper in 25 years. Gosh. And put two kids through college right. and right. all the things. And and so. and two people in a household will work right. for a newspaper. Well, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And sometimes, I mean, even listening to you say how, how it has changed and, you know, so much is digital now. I used to love like the outside my psychotherapy office at Michigan and Chicago. There was like a newspaper stand, yeah. you know, of the guy who oh totally had coffee, and right. Got to pick out the magazines and newspapers. He's By not the there Walgreens. anymore. Yes, yeah. he's <laughs> you not know, there. No, and sometimes oh. I'll go into to Walgreens and they don't even have you know a copy of what I'm looking for. They don't sell magazines anymore. Yeah, and, you know, it's it's. As a child of the 80s, you know, something that's like, I don't like this change. I know. You want to hold something and read (laughs) it. Yeah, absolutely. I know. Cut it out. Totally. (laughs) With your picture still. (laughs) Cut your picture out and send it to you and tell you how ugly you are. It's a Sunday tradition. (laughs) No, I'm with you. I want to hold it. I want to rip it out and send it to somebody. I read this and thought of you. Right, right, right. Whatever. I'm on board. I do Facebook, Twitter. I, you know, tweet. Mm -hmm stuff to people but it's there's a beauty to that you know tangible holdable thing that um I don't know I don't know how long it'll be around I'm I think I'm gonna hang out and you know try Mm -hmm. to weather the storm but sure we don't know sure so um to be continued on that front yeah okay um, oh, so if a billionaire or 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 like multi-millionaire wanted to buy you know the Tribune sure they and, could and save us all. Okay. I, I don't know if they okay. could actually. I, that's not. Oh, really? <laughs> I don't really know. I don't know how that works. Maybe two partners could get in. Oprah. Yeah. I think. Oh Oprah, my gosh. Oprah she listens has to. to you, doesn't she? She does. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So, you know, Stedman is in my building, so I'll no, just yeah. I'll drop it. Perfect. <laughs> in his mailbox. Perfect. Yeah. Stedman can buy it. I like Stedman. Sure. He's yeah. great. Anybody that Oprah keeps around yeah. for that long, he's got to be a good guy. <laughs> he works out at my gym. Does I'm he? always like, oh, hey. Hey. Remember me? Tell O I said hi. <laughs> Has she read my book? Well, yeah. you know, I did give him a copy of my book. and did then you? um And then I got an email from the building manager that said, um... <laughs> Oh, we're not allowed to solicit within our building. Oh, you're like, I what? wasn't soliciting. The worst thing you could say is no, thank you. We're donating it. Book yeah. to a friend. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> gosh, shameless. Um, last question. Who do you look up to? Oh. Who are your role models in life? Um, Michelle Obama mm-hmm. is a huge one. I love the way she parents, at least the parts she tells us. Um, I love the way she um, speaks her mind and is kind and sticks up for people who don't always get enough of the power or protection in our Mm -hmm. culture, I would say. Um, I look up to Ellen. I like that she spreads so much humor and kindness and joy. Mm -hmm. Um, I look up to you. Oh, thanks. I Heidi. really do. Thank you. Yeah, you help people tremendously in obviously your private practice, but also by sharing your own story in your book and on social media. Thanks. And on this podcast. So, Thank yeah. Thank you. I absolutely look up to you. I look up to my kids, you know? Yeah. I really do. I think mm-hmm. they're navigating a world that, like, we just can't even 
couldn't have conjured in our imaginations if we had to when we mm-hmm. were kids and they're like they're doing it yeah um so yeah i admire them tremendously well and which you know we have a mutual friend and colleague uh dr john duffy mm-hmm. and you know he speaks about that too that we can't say oh i know what it was like when i was your age and yeah. i went through that and you know his biggest message is we don't know what yeah. it was like. We didn't live in that kind of in this right. kind of world. Right. So, I mean, that's a whole nother podcast. But, um, you know, Michelle Obama is a Chicago woman. Yeah. So I'm, uh, you know, that's maybe right. she'll hear it, too. And <laughs> we'll interview her and then we'll knock on your door and be like, perfect. Surprise! Yes. <laughs> I'll hug her oh, arms first. Oh, and then gosh. The rest of her. I yeah. know. I, I look up to her arms. <laughs> What do you do for exercise? You're in great shape. Yoga. Um, I wish I could find time for yoga. That's like a, when I get laid off from the Tribune, um, I'll do yoga. Um, I run and I do, you know what I do? I do push-ups. I love push-ups. If you cannot do a push-up, I feel like you should just get to the point where you can do like two because you feel like such a badass. Uh-huh. Like it is such a stress reliever and like a empowering, like, yeah. <laughs> Knocked out 10 push-ups. I love them. That is, you and my husband, Ryan, have a lot in common. Does he, he love he push-ups? He loves push-ups, and he was on like a, a 50 push-up-a-day challenge love for it. three months. Mm-hmm. And we'd just be in the kitchen and be like, oh, forgot to do Drop the push-ups. Yeah. yeah. And you're right. And my son's now doing it. You know, yeah. as his body's changing, it's total body workout. It and you is. can do it anywhere. You feel it in your abs. Yeah. You, yeah. I mean, and I don't know. There's something. It does something to your head. You're like, wow, I'm Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you stand up, you're like, all right, same world. I just, but whatever. It feels good. Push ups. Yeah. Great. Great. Um, and, you know, speaking of my husband, I wanted to tell you too, he's in um, a show at the Goodman right now oh. called Roe. Oh my gosh. All about he? Roe v. Wade. Yeah. He's awesome. not um, a very likable character. Okay. Um, but it's supposed to be phenomenal. Awesome. Uh, previews are starting next week. And, um, you know, all about women's rights, humans rights. Oh, I'll really check it controversial. Out. So yeah. um maybe I'll see you there. Yes. Okay. I saw you at the Goodman once. I we watching did. Was it support him. group? Yeah. We saw him in? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I know. That's great. Anyway, um be who you needed when you were younger. Be your own Shiro. Heidi, it is so awesome to have you here. It was awesome to be here. Thank you. Thank you. Great way to start the week, start the day. And thank you, everybody, for listening. Go out there and wreak havoc on this world.